You are listening to the Backstage Pass podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and brought to you by Tommy. Hello, Heather Peace, how are you? I'm all right, I'm a bit hot. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really hot. hot. Yeah, so apologies if like, I just keep having to check the t-shirt and stuff. My God, it's 30 degrees down here and it's only half past 10, 11. If 11 you need o'clock. to open that window. No, it's fine, I'll... I'll the window. It's okay, it's okay, I'll suffer. Are you sure? Yeah. I saw recently that through this unprecedented time, you'd done a covers album. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that, actually, because I, I saw that you'd done a pay-as-you-feel thing. I didn't really know. Well, I had a tour booked in April. Um, we all had dates over the summer for various things. Um, and, yeah, the rug was just ripped out from beneath all mm. of us and lots of other people, everybody who works in any any sort of entertainment industry or restaurants, everything, like, just... Yeah, I've even got a friend who's got a cleaning company who her work halved within like a week, you know. Oh um, god. And so so it, you know, I thought it would have been struggling. the opposite way around. <laughs> no, cuz they shut the offices down. So um yeah, it's just just uh, been right. dreadful. And I I always um I've been self-employed all my life, so 25 years and um I, I always do find a way out of a hole <laughs> as it were. Mm. Um so I start. I just I was playing Eva Cassidy to my kids on a night time. I, I have done for years, partly because then I, I think it gives them a real wealth yeah. of sort of classic songs, but it also lulls them to sleep. And um, <laughs> I've never done um, a covers record, and I've got fans who've asked me to do it, and I've sort of poo pooed it because I love writing. Um, but I just started tinkling away on the piano downstairs in the lounge, and um, I was doing True Colours actually in the Cindy Lauper, and I just thought, oh, do you know what? I'm going to do my own sort of Eva Cassidy esque style thing um and try and not do the songs mm-hmm. that she's done although she's done that one um and just see see what happens and um so yeah I it, it took a lot longer than I thought because I've got the kids at home all the time so I was coming up here into my <laughs> tiny weeny um studio space and, and laying stuff down the first thing I did was like invest in a really posh um vocal mic the Nyman thing because that was the one thing I could never capture when I was doing demos and that's a really bright, bright Nyman, so it just brings it out because I've got I'm a little bit sort of squished. Um, so yeah, I, I just started doing that stuff and pinging it over to Michael, my guitarist, and um, then pinging it over to Paul, who just played cajon. It's just really simple percussion on some of the records, and then Charlotte Ridley, who's um, worked as producer on on stuff before, co-producer this time um, on other stuff. Yeah, pinged it over to her, and she just sort of. Finessed it really. There's there's nothing else on there, um, but she sort of finessed the acoustic stuff. So yeah, that, and I had a product at the end. Then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with it? Um, and so what what, <laughs> what were we talking about in terms of okay, we all have to make a living, and the only way we can mm. do that these days is 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 live gigs, and they're gone. Um, because the minute I don't yeah. get enough, I don't get enough streams to warrant being properly paid to support my family um yeah so I sort of made the decision not to put it on any streaming platforms um it's not going to be on iTunes it's not going to be on Spotify it's not going to be anywhere um and just to to do it that way um directly from my website really are you still distributed by Absolute yes I am but I'm not going to do it this time because then they put it into HMV and Amazon and all of that stuff and it's it's, right. the, it's the same thing it's the same thing you know yeah. the return that we get back is not well you know 
Yeah, that's true. And just what you were saying about streaming numbers, it's like the amount of of streaming numbers, if you were just solely relying on streaming to pay your bills, you'd, you'd have to be, I mean, you'd have to be really getting a lot of streams. Yeah. It's just mad, isn't it? Yeah, I think there's something about, I, I have a, I'm lucky enough to have a solid fan base. It's not huge, but they're really, really supportive. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I have no want to, be any bigger than what I do it's a it's a lovely size of 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 audience that I get the gigs that I play and and all of that so Mm. I'm I'm really sort of I'm not ambitious in that level I I want millions of people to know my music it doesn't bother me as long as I'm making the people who know me happy um and enjoy enjoy what I'm producing then I'm 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 done really um so I did I did the always felt like that no no, not at all. Back in 2014 when I did I did an album called The Thin Line, the that was ridiculous. And I did like a two-week radio tour from started in Scotland all the way down south, um, three, four radio, local radios a day, um, just to get my name out there and and um build a much bigger base. And it was fantastic because the gigs I sold out then were between five and eight hundred seater venues. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but for the amount of work that went into it, um, I don't think I could keep that momentum going. <laughs> it, you know, to, to get 800 people in a venue, to, it's so much work. Um, mm. So I'm happier to play these sort of smaller 200, 300 um, venues. Not always sell them out, but like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of nice. It takes a while to have... Um like a real insight into what you actually want I think with music like when it when you first start out and you're like taking it seriously I don't know about you but I just <laughs> felt like oh I, I need to be I need to be as big as Mariah Carey or you know yeah. just stupid stuff um well not necessarily stupid but just the I didn't really know what I wanted it to be because I only thought it went one way or crashed and burned um so yeah, I think what I think a lot of people are going to resonate with what what you're saying there. And touring in general is like great. Playing the shows is great, but playing the shows is like what would you say like five percent of touring? I know it's just like it's that crazy. that hour and a half. Yeah, it's everything else that that goes with it, really. And I suppose my yeah, I suppose having a family as well changes all of that. Um, yeah, because I was I was doing tours in Australia as well, which I did do one a couple of years ago, but I just Oh wow! I sort of can't. How was that? It was amazing. It was amazing. But the last time that sounds great. The twins were eight months old, and that was hard. I mean, as much Aww. as I, I love Australia, um, it was it was really hard um, being away yeah. for three weeks from them. I've I've been an actor and a musician all of my life. It's all I've ever known. Um, and and it's it's like how do you measure success? And I as I get older, like success is is happiness. It's been happy and it's it's mm. been able to make a living out of something you love. Like you work three quarters of your life and make it something you enjoy. And I've done those things. Sometimes it's been tight. Sometimes it's been really tight. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't. it's not about having a, a number one record. Of course, that'd be great. But there's a lot of crap that goes with that as well. Like, yeah, you know, if you're yeah. that famous, like no... I can go and do a lovely gig and everybody's had a fantastic night and waiting for me outside to sign my name or whatever else. And then I can go down to Sainsbury's and nobody knows who I am. I mean, that's quite a nice balance. That's perfect. 
Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah. I always feel sorry for people when they, you know, like somebody really big gets um, papped outside the shop getting milk and they're hungover and I'm like, that, you know, <laughs> is, is, it, is it worth it when you're like really so massive that you can't go to the cinema with your partner or... No. It, but then it's such a hard balance to strike because everybody in, you know... Or, or at least a lot of people in the industry would mark success as how well known you are. It's not, though. It's not. No. And it's about... Um, I absolutely love my fans, the people that come to the gigs. And between yeah. between us, we've built something really nice. Like, the people who come to my gigs know it's going to be a really pleasant evening. Like, the kind mm-hmm. of people that I attract... Um, you know, there's never any bottles of beer chucked over anybody or, like, just any ridiculous <laughs> nonsense. It's just, like, a really nice night. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think once you know your fan base and you can nurture that, it's so important because ultimately they employ you. Um, and I think it's yeah. important not to forget that. Because, um, you, you know, and it, you, you are only working because they still want to hear your music or, or whatever else. Um, yeah, I think it's mm. just about nurturing. I see you do it. You do it all the time, don't you, with your, your Patreon and stuff like that, you sort of... I feel like my fan base, like, core fan base is not actually a loads of people, like you say, but those people are always there and in, in a lot of ways and on different social medias and actually sometimes on iMessage, I'm, I talk to them and, they're like, a lot of them are, are my friends as well. Yeah. And so... Like, that's really nice. I really like Patreon. I think it's... Crowdfunding in general just feels really good to me when it, when it all goes smoothly. But yeah. like Patreon is such a good... Such a good platform that's, like, a social platform, but that is also, like, monthly crowdfunding that... Obviously, you feel, as a creator, that you've got... Um, you you kind of have a responsibility, then, to to keep sharing stuff... And, and good stuff with a select group of people, no matter what else is happening in that month. But but they're always there and they're like a soundboard for demos and stuff, so I really do like Patreon. I've used Pledge Music before, and I know that you used Pledge. Yeah. And it, that's something else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that, that uh, was... I've, I've, had, I've had literally two years from hell like within the music industry and the fans were there to totally pick me up um you know has that finished now for you yeah I mean they've just crashed and burned bankrupt took everyone's money it was absolutely disgraceful yeah so I did a whole album and they never gave me the funds but I had to pay everyone so essentially what I did was wrote the album Uh... did the album paid everybody and, and and also, I'd still fulfilled all my pledges. So, for example, there was 400 albums that were sold. I still had those produced and sent them out. I still did every single pledge. The whole experience took about 18 months. Whoa. It was things like, um, you know, I did um, MP3 cover songs for people. I did um, mm. 60 handwritten song lyric sheets. I, I did, um, I played three people's Whoa. weddings I mean, the last wedding I did, and I still had to pay my guitarist, Michael, so I'm paying <laughs> to oh. play at someone's wedding. <laughs> it was... But I'm proud of the way that I um, 
I think some artists perhaps didn't fulfill their pledges and especially smaller smaller um, bands where you have to actually pay for the products. I think quite a lot of artists mm. where it wasn't paying for the products like the handwritten song lyric sheets and stuff, they, people still fulfilled. But it was yeah. um, it was absolutely disgraceful what happened. And, you know, sort of learning God. more and more about it, how they bought plusher offices and the CEOs had these ridiculous cars and, and all of that was our money. And they were operating in a kind Did of... Did they not sell that off to... No, they just went... No, they, and they, they sort of asked for this 60-day um, period where they were working out what to do, but all the time they were just siphoning it off. And then ultimately all you've got left is a website because everything else is rented, right? And if that website, oh. if nobody believes in your product anymore because you've just literally screwed everyone over... Yeah, it was a bitter pill to swallow. And I, I don't think it would have hit me mm. as hard if I hadn't have had the kids. But I'd I'd take yeah. not not only had I not earned any money towards the family, but I had mm. um taken so much time away from being with my family to fulfil everything that was within pledge. You know, it was it was a really yeah. difficult thing to take. But I'm over it now. We we're just talking about it for this. Um Yeah, yeah. And I had massive support. I, again I found my way out of that by releasing a live album from a gig I got a company in to come and record everything properly and then I mixed it myself at home to the best of my ability um, and let the fans know that this was my way of trying to pull my way out of this hole that Pledge had left me with and they were bang mm. on it and they bought the bought the live album oh, wow. you know or the live DVD I can't remember but um, yeah so I, I think I think that really counts for something as well if you're just super honest with the people that support yeah. you, just let people know yeah, where definitely. you're where you're at. Um, yeah, and and that was when we we're talking about the pay what you can. So I, I did the CD for this new album, right? And then I thought, I do want to get a digital download out there. I don't want it streaming. Um. So I offered it up because because a lot of people have lost their jobs. Everybody's like loads of people are broke. <laughs> So yeah. I wanted everyone yeah. to be able to have the record if they wanted it, but I, I wanted to let people know, I don't know, you know, if you if you had been making hand wash or toilet roll, you put in a couple of quid more. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I liked that video. <laughs> yeah, but it's true. Um, it's balanced out. Has it balanced out? It's actually balanced out more so. I think I think most people were rounding, oh, great. a lot of people were rounding up to sort of £10. So I did a suggested price of £7.99. Um, and, and and when I did it, I was I was nervous. I was like, but I, yeah. I do have faith in humanity because I know what I do. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's completely worked out fine. It's completely worked out fine. Yeah, I remember years. I can't remember what platform I used, but I did a, a pay as you feel, and I and it was just for one song. And I remember being really nervous, but I was actually really pleasantly surprised that the majority of people paid at least what they expected to pay anyway if it was like a single download there were a lot of people who paid one penny as well <laughs> yeah but that's the but thing it, it balances it out doesn't it it does yeah, and I think does. at this at this time during the pandemic and everything I think people it's given people a time to look at themselves and they will mm. whoever did pay a pound I think they genuinely will have needed to pay a pound do you know what I mean like there's no yeah, yeah. judgment on any of it because so many people mm. have lost their jobs we're sort of waiting to hear from uh, Park Dean, um, who hosts the Hear Her Festival that I put on in October. 
what they're yeah. going to do. Because um, I think they'll open the it's, so it's set in a, a holiday park, as you know. Um, I think they're going to open the holiday park, but I don't think they'll be able to open the main venues. So that's something else that you know we've already um, put deposits down on and everything else. So I have to see what yeah. happens with that. But I, you know, I don't see how that can happen either. And also for us, like, in, they can't sort of tell us in September, oh, yeah, you can go ahead and do it. Because it's like, oh, it's kind of four weeks away now. So that's not really yeah. viable because, yeah, because we, you know, we, we haven't even broken even yet in the first, first two years, you know, how hard it is to um, mm. start something like that. Um, so yeah I mean I I don't know what what people are going to do I've already been thinking so my tour got pushed back to September from April and now it's been pushed back again to April next year Um, and if and if in April next year it's like you still can't have two three hundred seater venues I'm going to just pull all of it and just go back to doing cafe bars which is literally what I did right at the beginning um, when I was when I first properly hit the road with stuff like back in 2009 I, I did there's loads of amazing little Cafe bars is a great little place called the Guitar Bar in Nottingham, which is literally 50-seater, because they might turn around and say, yes, you can have gatherings of 30 to 50 people. Yeah. And if that's the case, I'll just, I won't do full band. I'll just take Michael, be me and Michael again in the car. Um, and we'll just, you just have to do like 200 gigs instead of 20. <laughs> it just, but you know. I always have a much more wholesome feeling after i do an intimate gig i don't yeah. know about you but yeah it, it's just it's way more special because you, you're actually with you you feel like you're there with people well you're chatting to them as well aren't you that's the thing like if you mm. when you've got all the lights on you and there's like lots of people all crammed in then you can't really have that connection but with the yeah, yeah. with the with the small intimate gigs i used to love that cafe bar stuff um yeah, there's a what, the Chattery in Swansea, and yeah, there was there was loads there's, of little places. Have you places. played at the um, comfy? I think it's called Comfy Bookshop in Coventry. No, I think you'd like that. Add that to your list of your cafe bars. <laughs> <that you can laughs> hit. I will, I will, I will. I should start putting a list together now because like we need, we need <laughs> yeah. plans. They're, they're going to be all booked up by the time. I know. You... <laughs> I might just get myself like a, a portable portable sound system and just go from beach to beach on the south coast i don't know with a with a cap that people can flick coins in <laughs> although by that point we probably won't use money anymore will we it'll all be cards because we can't touch anything yeah i started lockdown with short hair i've got a bobble in now i've been all right because i've got these headphones to disguise what is <laughs> a very grown out bob now that you're working from sort of both sides of the stage with performing on it and backstage mm. organizing it which do you prefer Front, do you prefer one? Yeah, front of stage. Do you? Yeah, it's yeah. absolute BS doing this festival, honestly. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it is, honestly. Honestly, it's all the stuff I hate, which is like emailing, is getting really? on the phone. I'm hopeless oh, okay. at getting on the phone. I hate phone calls. I'm so weird yeah, about I it. I'm, I even make Ellie phone up for the takeaway. I'm so weird about phone calls. <laughs> and, I feel um, way more socially awkward on a phone call than in... Person. like this yeah completely it's, and I, I feel my diaphragm go weird when I'm trying to they're just like you know can you tell me your name and I'm like Hannah Trigwell I don't I don't even know what happens it's, it's that's so weird. so weird that you've got the same thing I am I am so so weird about it and and of course this is like having to phone like um musicians agents and um honestly yeah. that's it's just another experience I think as an actor and a musician I'm like really um surprised 
about how well-respected and well-treated I've been. I will never, ever take it for granted again because, honestly, I have been spoken to like shit by... Really? Yeah, yeah, booking agents, honestly. I might have to... If if we actually, like, made the festival a success, I would have to literally get someone else to phone the booking agents. I've wanted to swear at them so many times. (laughs) Like, you, you had talked to, like, the smallest of the lowest of the low. It's bizarre. Why? So, Are um, you asking for something that's very uh, no. out of order? <laughs> no, because we're an unknown festival, right? And they just, right. they just, obviously, they're bigging up their clients and whatever else. But it's been the weirdest, most um, confidence-knocking experience I've ever had in my life has been trying to organise this and book artists, yeah. It's not managers. Managers are fabulous. And you speak to the manager right. and it's lovely and it's great. And then they give you the booking agent's number and you're like, oh, oh <laughs> God. Okay. I was hoping I was going to deal with you, but I'm not. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, if I could take that away from me, um, I'd, I'd love to just curate and then get someone else to do all the phone calls. Was it in October? Yeah. The, it, oh, the actual weekend. You. And it, was, it had all come together despite... The you know technical difficulties and whatever oh, no. festivals have, but 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 it was great. Yeah, it was a Everyone good vibe. Had such a great time. It, it was, was really good. I'd really really like it to to build and build. I mean, whether you know, I don't know what we'll do if it doesn't go in October. I was thinking about um, starting this from the grassroots up again because um, mm. this was always meant to be a platform for new brilliant artists not necessarily new but just brilliant artists that hadn't sort of had a had a a leg up as it were um yeah and it's been I think what's been hard has been trying to book headliners and stuff like that that's where it's been very difficult um on our Uh, side and actually do we need to do that probably not because there's so much talent out there regardless and I, I I feel like perhaps we could do um day festival things here in Brighton, um, in London, um, Leeds, Manchester, and just take the brand there um, and maybe even include... I used to do a night down here in Brighton um, and it was like the old old style um, cabaret nights, if you like. There was always like three musicians and two comedians on um, and it was oh, such a cracking night. And because it was all women, I was doing that back yeah. then, you got an all-female audience, like girls would come out with their pals for a girls' night out and I think... Um, Rather than getting people to commit to something they don't know for a whole weekend, um, I'm going to start it there and start doing nights um, and, and build That'd up cool. build up the sisterhood. You know, because if you're doing that yeah. every month, then people start going, "This is actually a really wicked night. Let's just um, yeah, let's just go with Miguel pals." Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, boys are allowed, but it's it's, it's <laughs> yeah. but nobody's a funny thing, right? It's a funny funny yeah, thing because girls yeah, will go to a yeah. festival that's all men, but not that many men will go to something where it's predominantly women and it, that just says enough, enough about our society, quite frankly. If if I was like a billionaire, the first thing I would do is put on an all-female lineup music festival that's the best of the best. And when you start going mm-hmm. through and putting them all on the same bill, you know, you'd be on, say, your Janelle Monet, um, oh, Pink, crazy. whatever. Like, it's like they are there. They are yeah, there. They are, These they are absolutely there. iconic, amazing performers are there. So somebody mm. do it. Some billionaire come in and do it. I'd love him would. Have you, do you ever like send emails out to artists that you're like, never in a million years are they going to go for this? 
Because no. I sent an email recently to try and get... Um, I'm not going to drop the name. Someone, a performer on this uh, podcast. And they can't do it. But I got a response. And I was so shocked that they'd even responded. That I was like, <laughs> oh. So it's not like that far away. But who did... But what was, what was the contact that you person. had, though? Was it directly them um, or was it... It was it was their manager saying something in like a quote that they'd said. She's not doing it, so like bad times, but also, wow, great. <laughs> no, I never do you know what I, I think I think maybe that's um that's where I fall down on the festival as well. Like I don't have that level of confidence to go out to. No. Um, I, I wish I wish I was a little bit more go getting and a bit a bit yeah. I don't know. That's why someone has to do it. Someone else has to do that part of the job. Someone who just like, you know, <laughs> swaggering around going, oh, yeah, you want to come yeah. and do this? Because I can't. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Amsterdam one year at Christmas time and did this um, song with a, a bunch of other creator and singers and songwriters. And, and it was it was a lot of fun. But the guy who ran it really really was good at talking the talk and there was nothing to back it up but you just I just believed him I was just like wow you because of the confidence of it um and he managed to make a lot of stuff happen just by being like I know I'm the tits I just totally totally <laughs> and I was like god what what must it be like to be that person there's, there's someone who, never there's someone who runs America that's exactly what he's done <laughs> like this is the best thing that you have ever seen I am telling you it's the best thing so you know it's the best thing like that was actually a good impression thanks I, th- I think um I think you know as women we're just not programmed to be so pushy we're so programmed Mm. to apologize to play down who we are and then on top of that being British it's a bit British to play down and underplay and not sell yourself so it's it's really difficult to um yes yeah if if I could have a little bit of that that'd be great but then maybe I wouldn't be a very nice person to be around because that's the other thing those people who are like that, nobody, nobody wants to go to the pub with them because they're just that's, like that. That's true. That is true. I think I'll, most people who I've met like that have been people that I don't want to spend any time with. Exactly. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> so, again, it comes down to what's success and it's being happy, definitely. Yeah, true. Are you thinking of doing another original album? Um, oh, yeah. I've, I've already got a single in the in the... Yeah, I've got in this single. Yeah, no, it's done. It's finished. It's called Safe in Love. It, it's finished, and it sounds like nothing I've done before. Um, and I'm really excited about it. But I need a, I need a proper, proper, proper video to go with it that isn't homemade. I've just done a deal with a director friend of mine who. So we're do, I'm in the middle of doing a lockdown movie, um, which is like, this, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. I was filming last week. And at a safe distance, obviously, and it's this uh, horror film. Yeah. And um, with, with Howard Ford, um, he's done all sorts of things. And I've done another film with him. Um, so he, 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 I said, OK, I'll do it for nothing if you come and direct my music video for this single. And he That's said, a great yes. trade-off. Yeah. And then um, 
Barbara Mitchin, who wrote Waking the Dead, has done the storyline for said video. So I have to sit on this single because I have to, I have to wow. when we say you don't want to be successful or whatever, like, because it, <laughs> I'm really, really proud of the track. So I just think um, yeah. I will just go bang with it, I think, rather than just uh, sometimes. Mm. That's the one thing I don't do. I never do any PR. I never get it right. The last album I did since my, man- my manager went on maternity leave and never came back because she loves being a mum. Um, and I just decided <laughs> to go it alone, you know. Um, yeah. But the one thing I forget, I, I, re- I dropped my last album without doing any PR at all. I thought, I've booked the studio, booked the, th- booked the, booked the musicians, uh, written the songs, done it all, but no PR. I was like... Wow, that's bold. That's, that's not where you want to drop, mean, drop the ball. In a way, if you've got the fan base that you've got... Does it matter? Does it does it matter? Like, is it mm. is it worth paying what you would pay for national international PR? Is would it be worth that? And and I don't mean just like financially. Like, I was talking to my auntie the other day about um, she's thinking about retiring early because lockdown and not being able to do anything has made her think: Is my time over the next six or seven years left that I'm working? Is that is it worth me getting that money that I would get to trading that off for my time? A lot of times when when I've paid for PR, I don't know if it's worth it and I would edge towards not. Yeah, actually. I know. I know. I know. But we're, weird, we're, we're, yeah, well, we're sort of lucky because we, we have people who sort of know our music and stuff. I can see how it could be really important. Yeah. No, 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 not even when you're starting out. You see, the... the the only way to do it is to just gig, 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 gig. You know, when I think about that cafe bar tour I did all those years ago, you know, they were 50-seater mm. 50, 50 venues, you know, and working up to 2014, the massive thin line tour that's the biggest one I've done. And now it's gone mm. back down again. It's 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 hard with PR to really... Measure. Um, identify, yeah, measure the direct... Well, if, if you're just thinking about sales, but then, you know, you performing in a room to 50 people is going to do a lot more to persuade them or like entice them with your music than an article in a massive magazine. I think it's something about so that with the, with the festival and stuff, I've been thinking about it a lot anyway. And I think I think there's something about artists like yourself, myself, you know, um, stars in Bam Bam Romeo, all, all the artists that mm. I've had on 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 the Hear Her um, stage, sort of getting together and supporting each other. Because the fact is, like, if you come and play at a thing that I'm at, I know that my my um, audience would then get into you and buy your material. I think there's something about a collaborative thing that we probably yeah. need to work on together and we should do an album well exactly exactly why not my fans being introduced to you your fans being introduced to me and likewise and and everybody feeding into each other we have to find a new way a new way Mm. you know we we blatantly all want to support each other as musicians it's just in in our dna do you know what i mean that's what we do it's why i started the, the festival it took up most of my life and literally cost me a fortune do you know what i mean but it's but it's it was it was what I believed in and, and what I felt was fair yeah. and right, which is just giving people the next push, you know. Um, yeah. And I don't know, there's, there's got to be something collaborative 
amongst amongst us. Um, and not just I'm not just talking about an all female thing. Even if it was just a single track. I've got a single had... already for International Women's Day next year. I didn't get it out quick enough. I'm oh. gonna send it, I'm gonna send it to you after this. Yeah, I wrote a song um that I wanted loads and loads of uh women to sing on. Um I will send it over to you. Um and I, and I didn't have enough time before International Women's Day this year, which was like the 8th of March or something. So I thought I'd save it. Yeah. So should we do that? Yeah, good shout. Okay. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. You might listen, you might yeah, listen to it now and just go, oh, no, that's awful. I don't think it's uh, awful. No, I'm sure it's not. It's, did it's, you write it? I did write it, yeah. It's fine. Well, it's not going to be bad then, no, is it? No. Come on. It's, it's a bit Believe che- in yourself. No, it's a little bit <laughs> cheesier than maybe, no, I don't know. The lockdown film sounds... Really cool, though. It's a horror film, yeah. I said, I said to Howard, are you sure about doing that at this time when everyone's like, literally a bit anyway? But he's um, he's he's adamant. It's all about working with people you like, isn't it? And he's got a gorgeous energy. Yeah. I do think people undervalue the just the traditional trade. Yeah, it's a total well, trade off. Trading one thing for another thing. Yeah, he just started saying, you know, I'm doing this myself, and it's gonna, it's got, you know, I've got not much budget because he's literally doing it himself. And I just said, I don't want pain, but you have to come and do me single. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> right, okay, yeah, it's proper old old time trade off. Swap some bread yeah, for some eggs, awesome. you know. But the single's ready right now. It's he done. Do the video soon. Yeah, the, f- the single's finished. Quite annoying that it's just sitting here, but I just don't know. That that's yeah. my problem. Not having a manager, I don't actually know what to do with it. I've produced the stuff and then I'm like, what do I do now? Do I know? Did you produce it? Uh, no, Charlotte did it, Charlotte Ridley. So I sent her over the right. um, the demo and then she sent me yeah. something back, which was just wild. <laughs> it was like, it was like, you couldn't have Too been far. like, yeah. Um, and then between us, we honed it in a little bit. So it's not so James Blake yeah. that, yeah, because some of the stuff is wild and amazing. Um, yeah. But I don't want to completely alienate the audience I've already got <laughs> so um, they do need taking care of it was um but she's genius Charlotte's genius like she she's like a an oil painter with her sounds soundscape and like it's just insane so um yeah I pulled it back a little bit and we literally did the lead vocals um in London about a week before lockdown so then we were working on the final oh. mixes and stuff electronically yeah in, in the first part of lockdown, yeah. You seem excited about it, though. I am. I want to hear it. Can you send me yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. And what are you, do- what are you doing? Have you got any stuff coming up? Yes, yes. Sort of every six to eight weeks, I'll be releasing a single, and they will come together as, as an album. Are you mixing and mastering? I'm not, no. I was going to say, I, don't, I can't. I mean, I, I could... I could try and do it, but I just I feel like for the amount of time I would spend doing that, it would not be a good product anyway at the end of it because I'm so amateur at mixing. Yeah. Um, so I try so I try and delegate stuff like that out. I, at the moment I'm just thinking of dropping every one as a single because when I put out my first album, the singles as they naturally do got listened to a lot more than the rest of the tracks on the album but there were some tracks on the album that I was like oh but that's like such a good track like that track means the most to me why didn't I put that out as a single but now I'm just sort of like maybe I should just release every song as a single and just give it as much um chance as possible for people to hear it so that's what I'm that's the plan 
at the moment. Yeah, I mean, what are people doing with albums these days? I don't know. I've just got my, I've got a record player and sort of listening to like favorite records is just an absolute joy, like Purple Rain or um, Rumors. Yeah. Um, there's there's a real placement of where the songs are and the spacing in between the songs and all of that stuff that I absolutely love and. I've kind of gone back yeah. to that. I'm just sort of collecting records now. Well, that that leads me nicely into my penultimate question, which is, what is your track of the week? This week? Well, just the track that you're listening to a lot this week. I, I, I literally haven't. I've literally been listening to Radio 4. <laughs> <laughs> I love Radio 4. Oh, I it, on a long car journey, Radio 4 is the one. I have, yeah, I have. What's... Uh, what have I been putting on though? They don't play any music, do they? No, I've got my, my woman's hour. Then I like—I mean, I'm not so keen on the plays. Basically, anything with actors in, I turn it off. That's really bad, isn't it? I don't know why that is. <laughs> um, maybe you should be telling me. I, I literally don't know what's in the charts right now, but it's probably because I've been up here, like just. Uh, I'm not clued up on the charts at no. the moment. Well, what's um, your track of the week then? Do you know what I've been listening to a lot lately, which is going to make me sound really boring? Desiree. Oh, Desiree's amazing. Desiree's right? amazing. We tried, we tried to get, her, we wanted to get her for the festival. We wanted to get her for the festival. Did you really? Yeah, she's amazing. That would have been great. She's awesome. Yeah, she's, I, like, she's one of the best, the best vocalists this country has produced. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like her songs are life changing for me, or at least, at least, take my mood somewhere else. Yeah, straight away. This and classic classic just, production, silky smooth vocal, yeah. like yeah, you can't you can't beat that. See, because I'm a big fan of Beverly Knight. Tried to get Beverly Knight. Yeah, same. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. She's just fantastic. Again, mm. awesome vocalist. I I um, played Manchester Pride one year, um, when a really good friend of mine, Jackie Crozier, was running it, um, and Beverly Knight was playing on the Sunday night, and um, but I had to come back to Brighton and was going to miss her. And Jack, oh. Jackie knew how big a fan I was, and so she took me into um, the main. I basically watched her two-hour sound check on my own, just with Jackie. Wow! And she's phenomenal. She was just That's sound awesome. checking, and it was like it was ridiculous. It was just a, a masterclass in in how to deliver a vocal, honestly, with absolutely no effort whatsoever. Yeah. And hopefully, she'll see this and then and then be really pleased that I've given her a shout out and come along to hear her. Yeah, she should because hear her is a. A really big deal, and it's the well, biggest thing ever, and the best. And but I own it though as well. Like I, I've never been to a festival like that before. I don't know if there's a festival that exists like that. I think it's amazing. In what way? Just I just think like the the atmosphere was so everyone wanted to everyone wanted each other to have a great time and I've never ever been to a festival like that yeah I felt I don't know how you created that I I don't I don't really understand how that was created but but I've never been to a festival like that before that's all we wanted you know usually at a festival people are, are very um you know in their own groups and and just getting on with their own stuff and and that's absolutely cool but there's it was it was really special it was really special I don't know if you can construct that or if that was done on purpose, but it was really special. I think, you know, like there was a big, big percentage of, of fans of mine who were at that festival. And mm. then there was people who, who are not necessarily my fans, but that feeling at that festival is what you get in my gigs. Seriously. 
I don't know how I've attracted, yeah. yeah. And I don't know whether that just filtered to the rest of the festival goers that were there, but it, there was, all I could say, it, it just felt quite kind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It felt quite kind yeah. and warm and welcoming. And I felt like everyone was about to buy me a drink. Yeah. Everyone. And not 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 for any any reason other than oh you're a person hey do you want a drink do you know what I mean <laughs> it's just it's just great it's cool yeah well I really I really hope we can um, we can make it work and um, get some sponsors in that's what we need we worked so hard on trying to get sponsorship because um, I I can't I can't like financially support it in the sense of holding the whole thing up oh it's a big um, yeah it's a big yeah and, and it's just project. yeah i just want to get get some sponsors if anyone's um listening to this then come forward we will we will big up your brand big time i i, I want it to do well and i also want to hit a point where um through um all the campaigning that's going on at prs um for the 50-50 lineup across music festivals, you know, and everybody that's signed up to the Key Change Initiative. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to be able to welcome um, fellas to play at the festival as well. I thought it'd be interesting if we look take the whole sort of festival lineup across the year and whatever percentage was women at other festivals will allow that percentage fellas <laughs> to play <laughs> Oh, we don't let them play until it's 50-50 and then we'll, you know, welcome with open arms our first our first fellas, yeah. Yeah, it's such a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. Unfortunately, we are out of time, but it's been great speaking to you and thanks very much for chatting with me. I'm going to ask you one final question, which is, what is the best lesson that you've learned in your career so far? It's quite a famous lesson, really, and that is... Be kind to everyone on your way up because you never know when you're on your way down. And it's, do you know what? That's a good one. It's so, so true. I mean, in, in, mm. I am naturally the same to anyone that I meet in my life. That's just who I am, thankfully. But, you know, when I did a TV show called London's Burning back when I was sort of 23, there was a guy who was like, the runner going and getting everyone a cup of tea who's now like so high up at ITV. <laughs> really? Yeah, because it's 20 oh, years wow. later and he was amazing yeah, then. Course, and then you're yeah. just like, everybody has their journey and, and life does that. It does that. And yeah. when you're here, doesn't matter because you will go like that. Everybody. Yeah, true. I don't care how successful you are. There are <laughs> peaks and troughs through life. So just be kind. Mm. That's it. Thanks very much for speaking to me. Today. It's been lovely. Have a great day. I will. The sun is out. I know. Let's go and get some sun. Perfect. So I'm going to go get that paddling pool filled up when, for when Annie gets back from school at lunchtime. Yeah. Wicked. Awesome. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass. <laughs>